Welcome to the Sea Trade Maritime Podcast, and you're listening to Marcus Hand. Today we're in conversation with Punit Oza from Maritime NXT. Some listeners may remember Punit Oza from one of our very early episodes of the Sea Trade Maritime Podcast, where he came on and talked about the topic of mentorship, something which he has been very involved in over the years and is extremely passionate about. Today, though, Punit's coming back in a slightly different role. He recently founded his own business, Maritime NXT, and is going to be joining us as a monthly guest presenter on the Sea Trade Maritime podcast. So, welcome, Punit. Thank you for coming back. Thank you so much, Marcus. It's a pleasure to be back, and your podcasts have actually become a part of the shipping legend, I would say. So, well done there. Good work. Thank you. That's uh, really nice to hear. So, as I say, Punit's going to be joining us as a monthly guest presenter on the Sea Trade Maritime podcast. And Punit has a particular interest around the areas of global trade and political risks. So, it's going to essentially, he's going to be having a chat with guests about global trade and political risk and how this relates to shipping. So, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about what it is you're planning and why you plan to focus on global trade and political risk. Thanks, Marcus. I think the geopolitical risks is a fascinating subject, which I was kind of put more into the deep end about four years ago when I started teaching a course at the Singapore Management University to students in maritime and trade courses on this particular aspect. I actually feel that when I look at geopolitical risks, a lot of them have tremendous trade connotations and trade flow implications. Seldom are those trade flow implications highlighted in uh, mainstream media. So if you pick up a financial newspaper, it, it talks about a geopolitical headlines, uh, maybe something like the fact that the poorest countries in the world have the highest level of debt since 1995. But it doesn't mention anything about what impact this has on trade and what kind of opportunities can eventually be thrown up because of these particular geopolitical risks and uh, changing geopolitical aspects. My intention is to basically highlight this. For the last four years, I've been teaching this course. I've got more deeply involved with the study and understanding about this. This started off as a project to try and help the students. It still remains a project to help the students, but now I am actually more involved with my company, Maritime NXT, to try and get more and more wider understanding about this particular subject. And not only the students, but the industry in general needs to try and see how they can benefit or understand the geopolitical risks and the implications on trade flows. So this is the purpose behind which I'm very thankful to see trade and you for allowing me to become a guest presenter for this amazing podcast, because in my mind, this creates tremendous amount of opportunity for us to vault the knowledge of senior leaders in the industry who have grappled these challenges themselves, but have never been able to share it and uh, create a more wider knowledge base for the industry to benefit and uh, vault their knowledge going forward. I think that's the main purpose of trying to understand how we can also combine the traditional bookish demand supply concepts with the industry realities and the realities facing us every day. So this would be the purpose of the um, geopolitical risks and trade flows podcast, I would call it, 
which really is important for me because it also makes business case. It is not just a purely uh, academic exercise. This is about realities that are happening all around us, be it Ukraine, Russia, or be it the changing Chinese space or US-China relations. All of them have implications on trade. And I want to try and emphasize and bring them out in my podcast. Excellent. We're really grateful for coming and suggesting this idea really brings a level of focus onto an area that you have an expertise on. And it's going to be really interesting to hear from other industry leaders how they perceive these things. You sort of mentioned the bookish nature of shipping analysis, demand and supply and so forth. We look at you know fleet numbers and sort of large-scale demands projections, say, for iron ore and so forth. Is shipping analysis therefore just a bit too narrow? I think the research departments uh, for decades in the major broking firms have always had access to tremendous amount of data, but they need to go much broader and deeper in terms of thinking and working. As mentioned, you know, we, we tend to be quite happy to know uh, what's going on around in the world on a personal level in Ukraine, in Russia, in Saudi Arabia, but don't really bring that into the work. We don't really bring that understanding of what we have been reading in the newspapers and link it to what we are doing in our day-to-day jobs. That is the kind of key missing link that is needed to be addressed, I would say. Uh, Research presentations are far too generic, in some cases mundane, as they look at world-free trade demand from the traditional lens. Um, Unfortunately, companies and employees also ask for only those questions uh, which have been asked for decades, you know, ton miles changes, uh, scrapping estimates and new buildings. And I'm not discounting that, but, you know, there's a need to look at the changing global order and how it is going to change the way trades are going to be done. Um, let's take AUKUS as an example, right? Australia, UK and USA forming an alliance. They've never been enemies, but AUKUS equates them or puts them into another level altogether. And it's much more than a defense agreement. It's especially for US and UK who are now seeking allies across the globe for different reasons. USA to counter the Chinese influence and UK to prove the world that it can prosper after Brexit. So this will have trade implications too. It will deepen the trade ties that you actually have. And shipping research seldom talks about these aspects and companies never ask the right question as well. But hidden in these agreements are clues to the next pockets of opportunities and trade flows which may unlock value for a company. So it always is about, as I said, the normal demand-supply discussions, and you normally end up with this amazing intersection of demand and supply saying that this is going to be the utilization rate of the ships. And all of those figures can actually suddenly be thrown into disarray if suddenly UK and Australia sign up a a different way of, of trading with countries which are their allies together. Um, Or America decides to actually get involved in in some trades where it was not involved earlier, and Australia helps it out. Lots of these changes which actually make the world trade today need to be addressed and need to be brought into the discussion in shipping companies and among the minds of the younger students as well, which is the part that I'm doing, but I would love to do more. It's it's very interesting that you, you mentioned that new trade agreement there. It's not something I've seen discussed in a shipping context at all, I don't think. So what sort of other factors related to global trade can be brought in? Is there a sort of technological application that can be used here as well? And how do we broaden people's mindsets in shipping to look beyond those nice demand supply figures and so forth that we're also used to seeing? That's a fantastic concept that you brought there, broadening the mindset. I mean, that's what we are trying to do here. 
I remember a comment in one of the uh, panels in Singapore Maritime Week recently where Nakul from Williamson talked about the fact that you know shipping professionals seem to be on a having a time machine where when they go back home they are in the current age and when they go back to their office they are on a time machine which is 20 years behind and they need to really bring the mindset to the current as we go along specifically with regard to this when i teach this particular course i focus on six different baskets or six different areas of geopolitical risks and how they affect trade flow so if i run you quickly through them you might get an idea as to what all factors need to be addressed and which is what i want the students to at least have a mindset of inquisitiveness and curiosity from day 1 if possible the first basket is the barriers to trade and on the flip side free trade agreements you know commodities are rooted and rerouted to circumvent these barriers or make use of these free trade agreements creating new trade flows and destroying certain trade flows this is fascinating it has tremendous amount of value in terms of where you position your fleet how you position your fleet which customers you need to target how do you make your business plan so it's it's down to that level as well second basket is critical pathways including canals but also new routes such as the northern route which is shorter and more accessible than ever due to global warming at some point of time when russia ukraine conflict ends i believe russia will seriously work on developing the northern route for commercial traffic to get a larger share of world maritime trade and reequip itself with uh, with what it's lost out and huge opportunities will be up for grabs but a lot of traditional players will lose out too third i look at demographics fascinating place changes in population trends globally including the age profile have huge implications for all trade flows not just dry bulk and tankers demand changes disposable income increase in expat populations and population preferences all play a significant role in changing trades but present valuable opportunities to actually study and make use of them as business opportunities fourth basket as i look at china's influence through the bri the belt and road initiative funding infrastructure projects and diplomatic maneuvers all of which have already led to circular trade flows with raw materials flowing into china and finished goods heading back to those countries exporting those raw materials this trend can be followed and drilled down to very specific players and decision makers fifth basket as i look at constant change in geopolitical and economic alliances Middle East is a prime example. They've always considered USA and EU as their key customers till recently, especially for the oil. But today, it's a different ball game. Earlier, they had entered joint ventures to kickstart their production and marketing facilities. But today, America is a competitor to Saudi Arabia as an oil exporter, and all the rules have been rewritten. An enemy's enemy is a friend, and that's still true. So look at the Saudi-Iran deal brokered by China. new friendship being formed something that was unthinkable 5 years ago the last basket is the impact of technology on geopolitics and trade you know the electric car race which china has been winning so far has created new trade flows like spudumin from australia to china that's what i tell the students that look at these new trade flows only because of technology but technology has a huge impact of displacing things as well plant based meats an area which i researched recently has the potential of recreating the exact taste texture and juiciness of meats using ai and tech models and as a younger environmentally sensitive generation becomes the key consumer group globally and economies of scale bring price parity for these meat substitutes and meat a 10% substitution our research showed 10% substitution could disrupt as much as 54 million tons of grain trades by 2030 predominantly soybeans from americas to china 
So, you know, there are so many factors to look at. And these six baskets are a good signature sense of where actually each of these geopolitical aspects can impact trade flows both positively and negatively. Fascinating subject, Marcus. Fascinating subject. You've just covered an enormous amount of ground there. There's a lot for our listeners to take in. I think that figure there on the, the plant-based meat sort of sticks in my head. I think you said 54 million tons of grain trade would be displaced, potentially. Mm. You know, that, that's, that's a, that would make a huge difference. Looking at the other part of this, which is um, geopolitical risk, which kind of melds, I guess, on top of the trade part. I mean, that's been hugely in focus in the last 18 months or you know, 24 months uh, with the war in Ukraine, sanctions. But a question that I have is how we can apply this kind of risk analysis meaningfully to shipping. A lot of these events are things that even the political analysts themselves didn't really predict were going to happen. So how can you meaningfully project this onto the business of shipping? It's a vast subject, and especially when it comes to the political aspects like the Russia-Ukraine, there were a lot of noises. People had always said that this is going to be a tension area, but nobody had expected the war to break out and the war to last such a long time as well. So yes, there are wildcard aspects and, and you have these challenges in predicting it. But I still believe that in this day and age of AI and chat GPT, we have the means to access analyze and act on vast amount of data very quickly. So this is my 3A approach to ace the geopolitical risks. So access, analyze, and act. These three things can be done very quickly thanks to the technology today. So I recently learned from an AI strategy session that I had that this quote stayed with me even today that never before in history have questions been more important than answers. What you ask the chat GPT will make sure what you get as an answer. So the prompts are more important than the answers itself. Now, if you know what you're looking for, then you can try and convert a lot of these unknowns into knowns. And that is what I really mean by, you know, getting knowledge. That's why this podcast is going to be super interesting because some of the views, some of the ideas, some of the prompts, some of the questions that the leaders are asking subconsciously maybe will actually come to the fore, will be shared with the industry so that they, everybody can start looking at this in a more positive way and more proactively to try and see opportunities that exist. Let me give you an example of knowledge and how it can be shared. If you know by your own information and which is available globally, even on Google for that matter, that it takes 1.6 tons of iron ore and 0.8 tons of coking coal to produce a ton of steel. And you know that the arcelomethyls plant in India on the West Coast is going to produce a full capacity of 8 million tons. It will need, by the same formula that had 1.6 tons of iron ore and 0.8 tons of coking coal, it will need 12.8 million tons of iron ore and 6.4 million tons of coking coal. And then you know that most likely the iron ore will be sourced domestically, but will be creating coastal shipping contracts from East Coast to West Coast. And coking coal will be imported most likely from Australia. And then you start working on how you can track the trades, focus on securing these trades. And every new facility that's coming up across Asia, across the globe, can be tracked. And then you can build a model, which can be a huge pocket of opportunity. You can decide your business plans. You can drill it down to 
each supply source and you will not succeed all the time in securing it, but you know that there's going to be a trade like this and you need to know that you follow that trade. At least you know where to look for and well begun is half done. So in my mind, it is possible to get a lot of unknowns and put them into the known category if you are able to really use data in a smarter way. That's exactly what I remember Clavenez doing, for example, as an example, who will who will also be one of the guests on the podcast, both Michael, head of dry bulk, and Peter Lindstrom, hopefully head of research, will be there, along with head leaders from BHP, Pressure Shipping, and Lawrence and Bulkers, all people that are personal friends, but also amazing leaders and amazing idea, people who actually are really doing interesting things. And for me, that would be the way of converting a lot of these unknowns into knowns. And hopefully the podcast will help in creating that shift from unknowns to knowns for most of the industry uh, markers. That's one of the purposes of the podcast, I would say. Yeah, Indeed. It's very interesting what you mentioned there about AI and asking the right questions. And then very much applies to a podcast or doing an interview is asking the right questions. If you don't ask the right questions, you will not get interesting answers. So I'm very much looking forward to hearing the questions you've got to ask of those leaders you mentioned there and hearing what they have to say so that we and the listeners can learn from their experiences. Perhaps you could just give us a couple of examples of the sorts of things you're thinking of talking about or asking. As I mentioned, a few of the leaders are from companies which are already at the forefront of either commodity space or in the shipping space. So it'll be fantastic to talk to them generally about how their company looks at geopolitics. And currently, my own passion and my own experiences are driving the course which I'm teaching at the SMU. I want to broaden my own horizons, but also enrich the content on this topic and make it more relatable to the listeners and to the students as well. So I thought, why not go back to this very amazing industry and its leaders who are, as I mentioned, subconsciously dealing with these aspects in their day-to-day -day jobs, but don't consciously think about this aspect or at least talk about it as much as they should. First of all, thank you very much for you and C-Trade again for the opportunity. The podcast, in my thinking, would be eliciting views from these leaders and how they perceive the geopolitical risks, their perceptions and how they look at these changes happening how they manage them. Possibly give me some older examples. They don't need to tell me what's going on right now, for example, because that may be a very strategic discussion. But they could tell me how they handled the previous geopolitical challenge that they had. For example, I use an example with the students of a particular geopolitical challenge which you had that was 9-11. I was in Nobel at the time. We had just done a contract of treatment with Pakistan Steel. And we actually had this huge problem in Afghanistan because of the 9-11 had just happened. And we had to perform that contract and Pakistan became a war zone. And suddenly we had to rewire our thinking, our strategy, our ways of taking the tonnage in, managing the uh, geopolitical aspects as well as uh, war aspects. So it was a great experience for me. And I used that example as to try and tell the students how noble managed to do that or I managed to do that in Nobel at that point of time. Hopefully, I'm looking for similar ideas and examples from the leaders who can talk about previous experiences or idea examples where they would have dealt with geopolitics, which they can feel comfortable sharing because either the event has passed or they have moved on to a new company from the previous company where they had that experience. I also want to learn more about how they leverage their own research and the market research to create potential strategies for managing these risks. Again, I don't want them to go into specifics. 
but generic ideas as to how they look at trends or or they look at certain aspects which actually are interesting for them these conversations i believe will be very frank and open most of them are my ex bosses and people that i've known intimately for many years but i don't expect them to provide very specific unless they wish to do so but generic thoughts on the matter it's going to be a huge help i believe for me for the students for the industry in general as i said today we probably reach out to the industry quite extensively with your podcasts but hopefully we reach out to the student community also with these new podcasts so i would say i'm super excited to kind of get an understanding of how these leaders can actually share these gems of wisdom which can be used by not just their own company colleagues but also industries in general and maybe customized to deal with uh, the future challenges including the present ones as well on geopolitical risks that would be a mission accomplished if that happens i would say it all sounds absolutely fantastic really looking forward to hearing these conversations between yourself and these leaders and and looking at aspects of how traditionally we don't look at in the shifting media so much I'd like to thank you so much for taking the time today Pune. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot for this opportunity and thank you so much for your time. I loved talking about it as you can see it's a it's a passion which I think has only grown with events happening around me but also as I keep teaching it it just grows on me. So I hope that the podcast also eventually grow on the industry and the people listening to it and they will keep looking forward to having more and more of these conversations going forward which I do as well yeah. Excellent. We'll be recording the the first episode in the next few weeks, so listeners please look out for that coming up. Mm-hmm.